Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, represented by Mr. Simon Briggs. Hello, Simon. Hello, nice to be here. And Eurosport, represented by Catherine Whittaker. Hello, Catherine. We've got all media partners covered. We have, and I'm uh, BBC Radio 5 Live's David Law. We are here on day three three of the Australian Open. I can't remember. It's very late at night, as always. We're actually not outside underneath the pterodactyls flying above today. We are in one of the little interview rooms where uh, the players come in to talk to the media. It has been an eventful few hours. First of all, Catherine, I mean, we've just witnessed, to give you a little rundown of the headlines of the day, they don't really involve Andy Murray for once, do they? I mean, OK, there's a little bit of concern about his ankle, but... Dan Evans, from a British perspective, has just had the win of his life. Nick Kyrgios has gone down from two sets to love up. What else has happened? Oh, crikey. What else? I mean, there was barely room to pay attention to anything else apart from that. I mean, even... I mean, even Andy... I was bracing myself for a pretty uh, challenging uh, flash interview with Andy Murray uh, coming up straight off the court from that dramatic third set and the twisting his ankle and all the rest of it. And the first thing, he, he dropped his bag. The first thing he said was, did Dan win? And there was a massive, broad smile on his face when I said, yeah. And he said he'd been watching Dan right up until taking to the court. And he thought he was going to win. But, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, nice story. Simon Briggs, I, I seem to remember seeing you about, oh, 10 hours ago. And you said, nothing much is happening today, is it? And, uh, well, that's turned around. It was the original day of two halves because around about six o'clock, I was whinging. You know, I'm a massive whinger. You are a bit. Yeah, a bit of a whinger uh, to all my colleagues about how boring it was and what the hell were we going to write about? And then it kicked off and I was actually down in the BBC Five Live commentary box and we had Evans on one screen, we had Kyrgios on the other and then Murray was playing in front of us and I was trying to sort of commentate while also sending over a few paragraphs about the Evans win, which had to be one of the most mind-scrambling experiences. I mean, parallel processing isn't my strong point at the best of times, but yeah, multitasking was was, uh, quite difficult. And what what did you think of, certainly, first of all, the the performance of, of, of Dan Evans out there today? I mean, he started pretty slowly. He was actually saying afterwards that he was struggling with, with what, what Chilich was bringing in that first set, but boy, he turned it around. Well, yeah, I mean, Catherine was actually sitting next to me and Catherine said, he's sitting it out the middle of the court. And actually, I realised he intended to do that. He must have been told to do that either by Leon Smith or by Mark Hilton because he kept on doing it and then he got slower and slower in the, the speed with which he was hitting the ball. And it was clearly a very smart tactic because Chilich, 
not confident at the moment. I actually didn't realise until I checked the records he'd lost to the world number 117 in Chennai the week, uh, well, two weeks ago, I suppose now. Um, he couldn't take the ball on. He couldn't generate any pace. He just began to lose faith in his own ground strokes, and it, it was a miraculous and unexpected game plan that delivered results. Sure was. Yeah, I mean, it's all very well saying that now, though. But, you know, Simon and I sat together in the media seats watching that first set and we left in, we left solid in the knowledge that we wouldn't be returning at any point to see a Dan Evans victory. I mean, it was the most remarkable turnaround. And as you say, Simon, all the more remarkable because he didn't really change anything. Yes, he started playing a bit better, cut out a few of the errors, but it was the same game plan all along. And yes, Chilich really low on confidence um, and having a bit of a a dodgy spell at the moment but that first set should have given him some confidence I mean when when the serve was hitting the spots Dan couldn't do anything about it so yeah really bizarre match but I'm really chuffed for Dan Evans it was like role role reversal in the match wasn't it the way after the first set Evans suddenly started to just get more animated and he's one of those characters isn't he He wants something going on he wants to engage whether it's with the crowd or he wants a row or he wants to get excited about something if it's just run-of-the-mill boring he's not a very good player if it gets energetic and um, heated or he finds a cause or he gets um, inspired he, he really is a player it was as if he didn't want to go into a slugfest with Chilich. He, and you can understand why, because he's giving away, what, almost a foot in height and and uh, several kilos of muscle power there. So he just decided to, to junk him, really, to confuse him, to ambush him, counterpunch, use all his ingenuity and kind of rat-like cunning. And uh, the moments when he had to do something spectacular, he did it. But a lot of it was actually just a very controlled... I'm not going to give you anything to work with. I'm not going to give you any, any pace. I'm not going to give you any angles. So the biggest win of Dan Evans' life and the first person he spoke to straight afterwards was Catherine Whitaker. Dan, just incredible stuff from you tonight. You're making a bit of a habit of big wins on big occasions, but where does this one rank? Uh, I don't know. Um, I didn't really... I didn't finish the job last time on the big occasion, so... No, I was thinking about that quite a bit, and to come through was... On the last match point as well was, um, you know, pretty pleasing for me. Talk me through the turnaround after the first set because it was quite remarkable. It seemed like a different match from the first set to the subsequent three. Yeah, I struggled with like the uh, shade on the court, and and his his pace of ball was coming was coming through pretty quick. And uh, yeah, once once the sun went down, I, I I felt much better and got into the match. Um, just you know, hang in and see what happens, and good good things happen today. How about this court and this crowd? They're still singing your name over there, Dan. They were pretty special for you tonight. No, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, they, all the Aussie boys said that this court could get quite loud, so I was looking forward to it, but after the first set, there wasn't that much to sing about, so I'm happy that I won, and I'm looking forward to playing on Friday? Friday, yeah, Friday. Friday. Just finally, we saw you go straight to your phone there. Who's the first person you text? Can't tell you that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, sir. So, Dan Evans talking to Catherine on the court. Uh, he sounded pretty chuffed, even a bit emotional, did he? 
Yeah, I might have been the first person he spoke to, but he wouldn't tell me who the first person he texted, though, would he? Was it you, David? I think I was about number four. Number four? That's pretty good, isn't it? It was just to give me some stick for something that I'd asked him for uh, before the match uh, a few days ago. I said, I want to see a photo of you two next to each other at the net, whether it's you against Cilic or or you against Janovic. I think that would be a very funny photo. Uh, And he he texted me just to say, uh, do you still want the photo? (laughs) After he'd just beaten Cilic, which I find quite amusing. Uh, but anyway, uh, Catherine, uh, yeah, he seemed, uh, uh, you know, he's a, he likes a one-liner. He seemed a little bit more, well, you saw what it meant to him in, in that interview. We saw it at the US Open when he, he lost to Vavrinka. He was absolutely flawed on that occasion. This is kind of payback, isn't it? This is redemption. Yeah, he's a challenging interviewee, it's fair to say. A particularly challenging TV interviewee because he's not particularly comfortable in front of the camera. That's fine. Not everybody can be. It's almost charming, although not if you're the person having to interview him necessarily. But that was fantastic because he was just completely relaxed and natural. It was his instinctive reaction, which is what he's not able to give when it's not that situation because he's sort of a bit more more anxious and self-conscious I suppose but yeah it was really that was a real high point in my interviewing Dan Evans career, career. There's, a, there's a career there is a, that's how well Dan Evans is playing they're frequenting the same tournaments and getting lots of interviews done together uh, Simon Briggs at the same time as Dan Evans was doing this we had Nick Kyrgios embroiled in in well, a classic Nick Kyrgios match. We had Andy, where, where were your attentions at this point? Because, I mean, obviously you've got to cover the, the best of what's going on for the, for the day's newspapers, for, for the Telegraph website. I mean, you must have had three sets of eyes needed to look at all the screens and, and follow, it, follow everything. Yeah, well, as I say, it was pretty frenzied in the commentary box. Before I move on, I, I, I would like to point out that Almost Charming is a very good slogan for, for Dan Evans. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was the one that... that the paper's probably going to lead on tomorrow, and that was the one which was the most dramatic, I guess, from the British perspective. Uh, the Kyrgios match was totally bonkers, which I suppose is entirely true to form. Totally role reversal from two years ago when he came back to beat Seppi in five, having been two love down. This time he was two love up against Seppi and lost in five. Uh, he's incidentally come into the press conference, Kyrgios, and said, I need a coach. Uh, I've real, I realise that psychologically as much as anything. Um, he also was giving a few little digs at John McEnroe for uh, saying he thinks he knows everything. You don't need to ask me, ask him. He knows my body better than me, so forth. Um, but, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was it was a pretty difficult match to watch and and he ended up I mean I I I didn't have the sound on that match I was sort of watching it out of the corner of my eye I heard he got booed off which 10-8 in the fifth seems a bit harsh to me but uh, I don't know Catherine's rolling her eyes yeah because we should be talking about Andres Seppi not about Nick Kyrgios I mean he's a man that's just lost in the second round and has never really done anything much he got a good win over Rafael Nadal you know he, he I'm fed up with talking about him he's done more than that Come on, he's done more than that. He's reached a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. He's lost in the second round, yeah, and Andrea Seppi was fantastic today. I, I haven't gone on to Andrea Seppi. I would we're, we're dealing with the loser you. first, yeah. Well, listen, if Andy Murray lost in his home country, would you talk about the loss, or would you talk about just Andrea Seppi? Andy Murray's world number one. So, OK, if it was Tim Hemman, or if it was... Are you seriously trying to argue that we don't give him more attention than his achievements merit? 
Kyrgios, we certainly talk about him a lot more than we do other players because there's a lot going on with the guy, is there not? Yeah, there's a lot going on with a lot of people that we don't talk about. Everyone's everyone's got their... Why do we talk about it? Everyone's got their stuff to sort out, Nick. It's not just you that's a complex individual. Look, I I mean... What can you say? I mean, he behaved appallingly. He behaved appallingly. I, I think I can completely understand why he was booed off court. I know why some... You can't argue with the entertainment factor. I completely accept that. It is entertaining. You can't take your eyes off it. If that's all you want from sport, he ticks your boxes. That's fine. You know, there's, there, there is an argument for that. There's also an argument for sportsmanship and... and behaving well you know does that doesn't mean taking all the fun out of the sport uh and and I think he is m- m- too often on the wrong side of that and I don't I mean I was I didn't get to go to his press conference but I just read through all the quotes and it's all just really contradictory you know at one point he says you know I I I, I don't want it enough and and then it, he he wants he wants to make out that he doesn't care because he's so cool. He's too cool to care. Well, then go and do something else. He obviously does care. He just doesn't want anyone to know he cares. Well, what I would say is delivering those quotes, the difficult thing with him is trying to read what he's actually saying because if he said a couple of things in it and then if you just watched him very closely, he would just raise his eyebrows a bit as if to say, I didn't mean that. Oh, yeah, I meant the opposite of that. It's very difficult to, to try to follow him. His mind is working all over the place. I don't even know if he knows what he's thinking from one minute to the next. Yeah, I didn't actually get a chance to go to that conference either because I was uh, commentating on the Murray match. But I do remember we had this at Wimbledon, didn't we, when Jack Sock actually came into the press conference room and half the time Kyrgios was addressing kind of sideways quips to him. And that was a particularly awkward situation. He can actually be very engaging. There was another press conference this year at Wimbledon after he lost to Murray where he he kind of opened up and talked about the fact that he was maybe frustrated with himself. He'd been playing computer games and and that clearly wasn't the best preparation, but he hadn't been able to get his head right. And he felt like he was almost in confessional mode. But then the next day he'll be kind of quirky and and, and offhand again. And and you you never know where you are with him as a player or as a person. Andres Seppi, let's uh, address him. Uh, as a, a player who did play admirably um, in coming back. And, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's not a bells and whistles player, is he? But what a pro. Oh, there's so much to admire in Andre Seppi. He's everything that Nick Kyrgios isn't, and Nick Kyrgios is everything that he isn't. So I guess it's, you know, whatever your flavour is. But he deserves a whole lot of admiration not just today but I think throughout his career I mean yeah he's a very quiet understated um professional really which makes him sound sensationally dull I realize as I'm saying that but he's sort of somehow not really dull yes no bells and whistles but he's he's not boring he's just a straightforward very very good tennis player he had one of the best beards I've ever seen a tennis player have in the off season he just clearly been growing it for months and then he showed a sort of before and after having shaved it all off because he's a sort of fresh faced uh, he looks like a Swede to me I don't know how he's Italian uh, but anyway uh, we uh, also had uh, Andy Murray playing today uh, and frankly for a while I mean whilst the Kyrgios Seppi match and the Evans Chilich match was were going on together Murray was kind of like a footnote, really, for, for, for the first hour or so, wasn't he? Because, I mean, he was handling Rublev so straightforwardly, and then 
he had his tumble, and, and it seems as though the, the, there is a, at least some pain there. I don't know what you think, Simon, what about that? The footnote that became the ankle note. Is that the worst part of the day? I, and I wasn't even intending it. <laughs> oh. Well, he did totally fall over right in front of the commentary box, so he went down with a big bang, and he was um, grimacing. Then he got up, and he kept on saying, not good, not good, and, and uh, sort of making a sort of cut sign across his throat to the, the uh, team in his player's box. And he had the trainer on, um, and he was limping. Actually, Gigi Salmon was commentating with me, and she pointed out that he seemed to be limping more every time he came to our end, close to his uh, team. And when he went out on the far end, he seemed to get over it a bit and was going to get on with the match. It was the only interesting thing about a match, really, because Rublev was pretty disappointing. Murray, until he fell over, was very slick, uh, not particularly um, different or unusual in, in, in anything he did, just just sent down the big serves and, and, and kept up a pressure which Rublev couldn't handle, and it was a bit of a nothing match apart from that little wobble. Afterwards, he sounded like he was pretty confident he'd be okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've seen over the years enough of Andy Murray having force to know that whatever happens, whether it's serious or not, there's a shock element initially, and, and he, he, he slightly panicked by it. I've seen it with a few players and he's probably one of the most in that regard. He, you can see the fear in his eyes of, oh no, what just happened? How bad is it? And, uh, and then we find out later on. Well, the first person he spoke to after winning the match was Catherine and Catherine was there for Eurosport on the court and she asked him uh, how that ankle was feeling. Yeah, it's, it's sore just now. Um, the, the positive thing is that I was able to move fine on it normally when you do have a bad ankle sprain. It's tough to put weight on it, um, but ankle sprints tend to get worse like a few hours after you've uh, after you've done it. So, you know, I need to just see how it is later tonight. I'm sure I'll, I'll be okay, but it's it's a bit sore just now, so I need to look after it. All things considered, that was a pretty gritty, professional, solid performance. Are you happy with it overall? Yeah, it was better ball striking than the the first match. I served a lot better, which was good and. Um, was adjusting to the conditions a little bit better. It is is fairly quick, um, so you need to be you know sharp on your feet. And um, you know once I got going uh, at the beginning of the match, I started to play some some good stuff, and uh, it was positive. You talked after the last match. They've got new balls here this year. It's going to take a bit of adjusting to. Is that something you feel is improving with each match and with each practice? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I, I played in, in Doha and the, the build-up and we were playing in conditions quite similar to tonight. It was quite cool. Um, the first match was, was tricky. The ball was, was bouncing a lot. It was very lively, not that easy to control. So, um, you know, I've sometimes here not started so well and improved as the event went on. So I'm hoping that'll be the case again this year and tonight was a step in the right direction. Well, well done, Andy. We'll let you go and get Thank some treatment you. on that ankle. Thanks. So, Catherine, I mean, you looked into his eyes and actually had that conversation. Did you see any real concern in his face? A little bit, not as much as I was expecting. I was bracing myself for him even to say, you know, I'd rather not do that interview. Good on him for not doing that. He was good as gold with, with Todd Woodbridge on the court and the same with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's that element of doubt that the question mark is, as he said ankle injuries of the sort he thinks he has tend to get worse a couple of hours after you sustain them. So he didn't really know, but he was 
pretty confident, I thought, that it would basically be okay. And I think he's had enough turns of the ankle over the course of his career to sort of be quite familiar with that injury and how it progresses. So an element of worry, but no major cause for panic, I don't think. Elsewhere, earlier in the day, when it was quiet, when not much was happening, when Simon came in late because he'd been pinning his feet up somewhere, uh, Venus Williams got a win uh, and Angelique Kerber struggled again, but she got through it. I mean, I think that's four three-set matches she's had in her five matches so far this year. It's not really clicking, is it? But my word, she has the heart of a lion, that woman. She really doesn't stop until every little bit of energy is expended. The second set tie-break against uh, Karina Whithurst, who I don't particularly rate as a, as a real threat, was dreadful. I mean, that, that was uh, the point where she could have closed out the match in straight sets. It was... I mean, you, 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 it wasn't the performance of a seeded player, let alone a world number one. Um, credit to her that she turned it around early in the third. Um, she kind of reminded Whithurst that she was the, the, the dominant player here and, and it was an all-German all bash, so I guess they, they probably know each other pretty well. But yeah, the, we're still waiting for her to, to show anything like the formal conviction that you'd expect from the defending champion. Could you see her finding that, Catherine, working her way into the tournament? I mean, I remember she, she was match point down against Masaka Doi a year ago. She's going to have to flick her switch pretty quickly. It just looks like such a different Angelique Kerber to a year ago. I'm finding her an uncomfortable watch at the moment. She looks like she's not having one ounce of fun out there. It all looks like so much effort. The the body language is appalling and, and deteriorating, really. I feel like, you know, she should at least fake it, you know. But after every after every error, she's just killing herself about, you know, it's just so negative. And I just don't see any pleasure in being on a tennis court in her face and you know it was such a joy seeing her enjoy her ascent to the top of the game last year and her beaming smile and just loving the sport and it's I'm quite sure it's temporary it could be so temporary that she regains it at some point during this tournament you know there could be a switch that gets flicked you know in a big match quarterfinals or something and, and she remembers what it's all about and why it's so great, but I'm not seeing it at the moment. No, I, I know the the, the feeling. Um, Roger Federer, victorious today. It wasn't that straightforward against mm-hmm. Noah Rubin, 20-year-old American. I mean, he won the first couple of sets, but really should have lost the third one. Probably he was a breakdown, Federer. He he's not there yet, is he? He's not he's not the vintage Federer just yet. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he's going to work his way back to that, Simon? Well, didn't we have a bit of a prediction contest on this in our pre-tournament? podcast and I said quite confidently he wasn't going to beat Burditch. I seem to remember you two taking the opposite view. I'm, putting, I'm feeling solid in my stance right now. Maybe he'll flick a switch himself between now and Friday. All I would say is that it's uh, an excellent, <laughs> excellent match to look forward to and a great one for those of us writing in the papers because you know that whichever way that goes, it's a great story and we can actually preview it as well in Friday's paper, so looking forward to that. Oh, that's good news then. Uh, now, we also had wins for Gabinia Magarutha today. John Isner went out in a, in a five-setter uh, to the brother of Alex Zverev, uh, Misha Zverev. My word, he plays some nice serve-volleying tennis. Real throwback he is. Uh, anything else caught your eye today? Were there any other major results? I can't really think of any. Well, Sam Querrey beat... Alex de Minaur. So he's the next opponent of Murray, he's isn't he? the next he? opponent of Andy Murray. And 
Simon got some pretty interesting stuff about his position on the inauguration of the new President of the United States from him today. Sam Curry? Well, it's more that he's going to be playing Murray on Friday, which is, what, the 20th? And that's inauguration day, so we figured that we'd um, put in a few questions about that. I also really want to ask uh, Murray about Ivan Lendl's view on the whole affair, because... Lendl, not known for his leftist sympathies, he might consider Trump to be a bit, uh, a bit soft. Well, n- yeah, neither is Sam Querrey now. It turns out. No, because we were thinking that the, we were saying to ourselves, "Isn't Sam Querrey's father a Democrat?" And then we realised it's actually John Isner's father who's a Democrat. And, and from our conversation with Sam, he very much is not. No, I think I think it's safe to say you managed to identify somebody that feels vaguely positive about what's going to happen on Friday, which is good going. There we go. Politics here on the Tennis Podcast. Who'd have thought it? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court season Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Now, next day of the Australian Open is day number four. It is tomorrow. Uh, we've got four starters, all the British players, up early, haven't we? Because Johanna Conta is on the Rod Laver Arena. I think that will be the... F- is, no, it's not the first time she's ever been there because she was a semi-finalist last year. She's starting off, though, against Naomi Osaka. Crikey, Simon, you better get to bed. You're going to have to be up early for that. Yeah, well, we're hoping that we can get out for golf, you know, after the uh, <laughs> the first two uh, matches have been played on, on the court. And You're the- not actually joking, are you? <laughs> well, I'm half joking. The thing is that, in theory, the, the, the players should be over by 3 p.m., the Brits, but then you've got to go to press. That'll be 4 p.m., then you've got to write it up. That's 5.30. So. 
Probably a, a pipe dream. Anyway, uh, I'd say that uh, Conta's going to beat Azaka in straight sets, having watched Azaka first round. Lovely shots, but uh, definitely shaky on the movement. Won't be able to cover as much court as Conta. Uh, and the other two players, Heather Watson and Kyle Edmund, both in action. How many British players are going to be left in the draw after day four? Simon Briggs. Okay, uh, it's later night. Who are they? Already got two. What's Kyle... Um, Karina Buster he's got and uh, uh, Heather Watson has got Brady of the United States qualifier yeah three out of three tomorrow so five players into round three round four is it round three round three three. (laughs) I'm getting getting way over excited here so round three of the Australian Open says Simon Briggs how many do you say I think I agree you said that very nonchalantly as if Kyle Edmund happens all the time beating Karina Buster wouldn't be an upset of course Karenia Buster's the seeded player, but I, I agree. I think I think it's going to be a f- full house. I'm going full house as well. Uh, so Rafael Nadal is the night match tomorrow. He's up against Marcus Bagdatis. Remember that? Oh, those were the days. Eleven years ago, when Bagdatis got to the final. Oh dear, Bagdatis must be about 48 now. Um, and uh, before that, we have got who? Novak Djokovic is playing in the afternoon. Catherine's going to tell me the rest. It's Serena Williams and Lucy Safarova opening up the night session. Wow, that is a good one, isn't it? Because they played a French Open final together. So I don't know. Do you think Safarova might be able to? She could stretch her, I think, if she played well. She could stretch her. I mean, Serena's still a bit of an unknown. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I've picked Serena to win the tournament, so (laughs) I'll pick her to win a second round match. But yeah, it could be interesting. Could be. I should be pointing out I've already had some flack for picking uh, Halep as uh, runner-up in the, in the women's draw after you forced me to make predictions. I think one of the things I don't like about tennis predictions is that it's also contingent on fitness. And fitness is so hard to know because people keep a lid on it. Whereas, um, you know, in, the, in my... Uh, <laughs> In my development stages as a hack, I, I wrote about cricket. And cricket is a team sport. You know, individual bits of falling, falling off players doesn't affect the overall picture. But something like Halep, she's got tendonitis in her knee, and that's it, really. If you don't like predictions, Simon Briggs, you're on the wrong podcast, <laughs> is all I can say, because Rubbish Predictions is our middle name. Catherine Whittaker, Simon Briggs, lovely to have you with us, as always, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport. Don't forget, Eurosport are running a special offer, 19.99 for tennis coverage on their Eurosport player for a full 12 months. That includes three Grand Slam tournaments, live, ball by ball. Go and get that if you would like. And what else have we got to tell you about? We're going to be back tomorrow, that's for sure. I also do those little videos. Have you seen those, Catherine, on Facebook? I tell everybody in the morning what's, what's coming up and what's going to happen. She hasn't watched any of those at all. She's looking at me blankly as if to say, I'm not going to watch your stupid little videos, David Law. You can also challenge me on my daily match of the day on Twitter at Tennis Podcast. Go and have a sleep. This is when you can. Sleep is for the week. We'll be back tomorrow. Tennis.